0: adults should hold themselves accountable for failure. And so tonight, I'm beginning this newscast by joining Mr. Clark and apologizing to the American people for our failure, the failure of this program during the time I've been in charge of it, to successfully inform and educate the American electorate. Let me be clear that I don't apologize on behalf of all broadcast journalists, nor do all broadcast journalists owe an apology. I speak for myself. I was an accomplice to a slow and repeated and unacknowledged and unamended train wreck of failures that have brought us to now. I'm a leader in an industry that miscalled election results, piped up terror scares, ginned up controversy, and failed to report on tectonic shifts in our country, from the collapse of the financial system to the truths about how strong we are to the dangers we actually face. I'm a leader in an industry that misdirected your attention with the dexterity of Harry Houdini while sending hundreds of thousands of our bravest young men and women off to war without due diligence. The reason we failed isn't a mystery. We took a dive for the ratings. In the infancy of mass communication, the Columbus and Magellan of broadcast journalism, William Paley and David Sarnoff, went down to Washington to cut a deal with Congress. Congress would allow the fledgling networks free use of taxpayer-owned airwaves in exchange for one public service. That public service would be one hour of airtime set aside every night for informational broadcasting, or what we now call the evening news. Congress unable to anticipate the enormous capacity television would have to deliver consumers to advertisers, failed to include in its deal the one requirement that would have changed our national discourse immeasurably for the better. Congress forgot to add that under no circumstances could there be paid advertising during informational broadcasting. They forgot to say the taxpayers will give you the airwaves for free and for 23 hours a day you should make a profit, but for one hour a night you work for us. And now those network newscasts, anchored through history by honest-to-God newsmen with names like Murrow and Reesner and Huntley and Brinkley and Buckley and Cronkite and Rather and Russer, now they have to compete with the likes of me, a cable anchor who's in the exact same business as the producers of Jersey Shore. And that business was good to us, but Newsnight's quitting that business right now. It might come as a surprise to you that some of history's greatest American journalists are working right now. Exceptional minds with years of experience and an unshakable devotion to reporting the news. But these voices are a small minority now and they don't stand a chance against the circus when the circus comes to town. They're overmatched. I'm quitting the circus, switching teams. I'm going with the guys who are getting creamed. I'm moved, they still think they can win and I hope they can teach me a thing or two. From this moment on, we'll be deciding what goes on our air and how it's presented to you based on the simple truth that nothing is more important to a democracy than a well-informed electorate. We'll endeavor to put information in a broader context because we know that very little news is born at the moment it comes across our wire. We'll be the champion of facts and the mortal enemy of innuendo, speculation, hyperbole, and nonsense. We're not waiters in a restaurant serving you the stories you asked for just the way you like them prepared. Nor are we computers dispensing only the facts because news is only useful in the context of humanity. I'll make no effort to subdue my personal opinions. I will make every effort to expose you to informed opinions that are different from my own. You may ask who are we to make these decisions? We are Mackenzie McHale and myself. Ms. McHale is our executive producer. She marshals the resources of over 100 reporters, producers, analysts, and technicians, and her credentials are readily available. I'm Newsnight's managing editor and make the final decision on everything seen and heard on this program. Who are we to make these decisions? We're the media elite. We'll be back after this with the news.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? Well, 420 was already taken, and happy hour is happening somewhere else. This episode was recorded on the 28th of August. The clip you just listened to was from one of my favorite shows of the last decade called The Newsroom, starring Jeff Daniels and Emily Mortimer, and it was written by Aaron Sorkin of uh, the West Wing fame. The particular segment you heard was from their second episode of the first season, and I put it in because I believe it will help highlight the discussion we had on journalism and journalist institutions. We hope you enjoy. Yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Jeez. So, <laughs> so
2: what's new? Uh, just took out the woods uh, out the wood stove tomorrow. I took down the chimney today without dying. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you're actually getting rid of
2: your wood stove yeah i'm spending uh, i'm buying a new uh because my daughter's going for experimental treatment next week right and she's gonna she's gonna not have an immune system for uh six months holy jesus so i bought so you need to
1: change the you need to fundamentally change the air quality in your home through a new furnace air system
2: yeah, well, as a parent, you, you look to see, um, you try and do everything that's reasonably possible for your child to succeed, right? Yes. So that's what I'm doing. What good if there's you, man. One, one thing you could do to make your to try and make sure your daughter's good? I'm, I feed her good food. I grow it. No pesticides. You know what I mean. And well, there's this air quality thing we know we kind of got because we have a wood stove, and wood stove usually correlates to a lower lower air quality. Because like there's byproducts and smoke and stuff that can
1: get back into your house and that kind of thing or what? No, it's it's mostly soot. Okay.
2: So when, whenever you open the door, put new wood on, the the blower picks it up and blows around the house. It, it, you like before you would come, I would actually have to dust everything.
1: Oh really? When when I came to podcast?
2: Yeah, before you huh. came, I dusted everything. No um, way. There's, a, there's usually a thin haze on things, and then because that haze is is hydrophilic, it means it likes water. Then mold can grow on it, and because it soaks the water in one spot, so mold can grow on it. Hmm. So interesting. And then you got animals and allergens coming in with the wood itself,
1: and then yeah, and and then you find yourself chasing raccoons at one o'clock in the morning with your shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the mice, up the on mice, homebrew. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the mice push the insulation aside around the chimney. Uh right. so they can get in, so so there's there's other pests associated with it. And, nice. Uh, well it's good you're making
1: it. these moves.
2: Yeah, it's uh thirty
1: thousand bucks, buddy. No kidding. That's that's crazy. So are that you getting like HVAC to come in and do the job for you or what? Yeah, I'm not doing it myself. Yeah, probably a good idea. Did they have to? You got. You already have the ventilation. You already have the the. You don't have anything. So how was heat getting distributed throughout your house in the winter? It just moved around. It just moved. It just radiated I, from the wood stove throughout the rest of the house. And you got a, a two. You got a two-story house.
2: No, First, no Or sorry. You no. have a bungalow. Yeah, a basement and main floor. Yeah, and then and a a big fan that pushed the hot air from one one side to the house the other side, and then just rose. For any of the cold spots, we had radi- uh, electric baseboard heaters. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah. I'm doing all the demol- doing all the demolition myself, and yeah, save a bit of money. Fair enough, huh? Interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was just talking with uh, talking with my financial advisor. Uh, He just stopped by the house uh, yesterday or the day before, and uh, he was talking about, uh, like, he lives completely off the grid. He's Mm -hmm. not connected to any utilities. There's no lines or anything like that to his house. So his house is completely self-sufficient for power, Mm -hmm. Um, other than, like, you know, he has a road and that kind of stuff where he has to go through. But, um, yeah, it was kind of interesting talking to him because, like— he they used to they used to power their house with uh solar panels and you know it would just maybe put on a couple of lights and then he completely um got a whole new system he said he paid like 16 grand for it and just got all new solar panels and now it just powers their whole house and it's interesting all he had, like he he found a he, he was explaining he's like he had a difficult time trying to um Trying to find somebody who would uh, do the insurance for his house, and also finding somebody who would mortgage his house yeah. when they when they while well, they're when they owned it. Um, I guess because you don't see too many banks going after or uh, getting a mortgage on the house that isn't on the grid. I don't know how it works because it's, technically,
2: it's uh, the city can come along and condemn the house. Really. Yeah, because there's some laws that that say that you're required to have power to the house. Well,
1: he's a listener, so he's probably like, he's probably he either has encountered that issue and has mitigated it already, or he's probably scrambling and calling the city right now, <laughs> or somebody.
2: No, well, anyway. that's and that, and that's the balance of risk. But you live near Petawala, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I live. Uh, I live near Pembroke. Other, other things are are more legit there than anywhere else.
1: <laughs> well, no, this guy's uh, he's in Kingston. He he? he? he lives just on the outskirts of Kingston, like you. Oh, okay. Yeah, we kept uh, we kept the same guy when we were living in Kingston, so we've kept him. We like him. He's a He's he's all right. <laughs> that's
2: well, that's good. Yeah. Well, he let you let let me talk talk to you into, into buying stocks, so we're okay. <laughs> he likes the idea. He well, he
1: likes the uh the advice that you've given. It's like, you know, um how you go about doing it, like most of our money is put up through him, mm-hmm. but then I've got like, you know, ten K to kind of play with in the stock market. That was the mm-hmm. idea. And then just uh and then just use that kind of for trading fun stocks and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But the all the stability comes through through him. hmm yeah. So, he says he uh, he says he can relate to you very well. I've asked him if he wants to come on the podcast. He is interested. We'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll see if he uh, it, may, it may be it may be much later. Maybe not until next year. But um, yeah, it's all. It's all good, yeah. my friend. Yeah. So, you had you know, something you wanted to talk. By the way, what are you drinking? I'm drinking the straight brandy. Ooh, is this your home homemade stuff? No, it's from the street. It's a it's a company out of PEI. Oh yeah 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 that uh, that stuff. Okay yeah that was a good stuff. I got yeah. this coffee sitting just instant coffee. It's like that those uh, Nest Cafe three in ones just to wake me up. But oh, then I, I've got uh, <laughs> then I'm pulling this thing out afterwards. It's the Akin Three Wood, rich fruits, chocolate, and toasted hazelnut unmistakably three wood. Anyway, Hawkinshion is a good brand. It's a good beginner brand for anybody interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's awesome. What's that? Is it that's awesome?
2: You want to mm-hmm. hit record? Oh, we're already recording. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's that red dot in the left side, left hand side.
1: Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I guess I should have, for legal purposes, warned you about recording. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you had something that you wanted to bring up. Uh, it was about your beloved journal publication.
2: Okay. Yes. So this is. We'll write this in a letter format. Letter to the editor, The Economist. In your. In your. Issue, we'll, we'll say July 2020, you stated that people should not endeavor to master the sourdough. And I would say to that, poo-poo. And because sourdough itself is, you know what, yeah, you can buy it at the store. But in every other economist uh, edition, you encourage countries to diversify. You encourage people to educate themselves, to mm-hmm. learn more, to investigate other domains, the sourdough. But you don't want domain. them. You don't want them making their own shit. You like it, it teaches you uh, if, the mastery of the sourdough. Teaches you is an intro course into uh, uh, organic chemistry. It's an introduction to self sufficiency. It helps you understand what labor is, because if you're an intellectual, which I assume the person in the article that wrote this, should probably make a few sourdough loaves themselves because you know what, they're not as easy. And it's not about the dollars and cents because everybody understands that a simple amount of education is really only 10% of all the education you'll ever receive. 70 to 90% of the things you learn are not in school. They're not related to your profession. They're about how to deal with others and relate to others. Everybody relates to bread. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. Everybody relates to the kind of bread. So if you're learning how to make a sourdough, you have a conversation piece that can relate to other human beings. And that's another topic that economists talks about. Building bridges. Expanding the economy. The only way you can do that is when you forge the alliances that get you there. So the economists eat your damn words. You're wrong.
1: <laughs> so, wait, you mean to tell me that there's a journal media outlet out there that is contradicting itself? Oh my God. Call. Yes. <laughs> yes. Call the journal police. Uh where do we begin with that? Um, first of all, I I like your comment there about bread. Um I went and uh before he died, I went and saw a concert uh with um it was like a talk kind of concert with Stuart McLean mm-hmm. of the vinyl cafe, okay, the CBC go. program. Uh one yeah. of my favorite programs of all time. It was a, it was a master storyteller. He sounded like uh oh, what's the name of that actor? Um, God, (laughs) what's the name of the actor who did uh, "It's a Wonderful Life"?
2: Oh, I don't know, Stewart,
1: Jimmy Stewart.
2: Okay, right. I don't remember. No,
1: I don't. He had that weird kind of talk like that. I I can't do a Jimmy Stewart impression. But yeah, he sounds just like Jimmy Stewart when he was talking. But he also was like just a master storyteller. But anyway, about your point about Bread, the concert or the talk that I went and actually saw live was really cool because it was out in Brandon, Manitoba. And he was talking about uh, Wheat and how it was like it was the city of Wheat. Because it's called the Wheat City, that's why they call it uh, the hockey team there. I think they're called the Wheat Kings, and I think that's where the Wheat Kings uh, song came from. It come from Portage la Prairie or it come from Brandon, from uh, from tragically hip. So Paris of the Prairies, that kind of thing. Anyway, so it was kind of interesting because he said bread is the bread is like along with written the written word bread is like the marker of civil society for and for a society to be able to um come up with culture to come up with norms and societal norms it all starts with with the farming the ag- agriculture and it starts with bread it starts with being able to do that there's a really cool if i can find the episode i'll link it in the description but anyway but uh, more, more on your point about journalism. I thought that was interesting because uh, you've been you've been peddling the Economist for a
2: long time now. Oh, I mean, they uh, the air is human. They are humans, Fair and it's written from from a single point of view, which is economic theory. And if we were, if we 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 existed uh, solely on macroeconomic theory, or you're kind of limiting yourself, okay? The world's more dynamic than that, and if you say that all macroeconomic theories work, uh, Donald Trump did not exactly follow macroeconomic trends. What so, is macroeconomic theory? It's, it's, it's the if you look, in layman's words, it's how nations and large corporations move about the the world economies, if you will. So
1: like. A company like Apple outsourcing all of its manufacturing and the building of all their phones to, you know, uh, what do you call it, to places like, I, I, where is it? Are they
2: based out of Thailand or China? Where are they? they are not out of China. Well, there well, they is some in China. There some, is some in uh, Korea. Is but, that but, part but, of it, but, part but, of but, macroeconomics? But it, no, it would be all telecoms outsourcing to smaller countries okay other countries so it's that trend and the common arguments of why that's happening is that something
1: that's akin to what ronald reagan came up with with reaganomics and all that kind of shit back in the 80s
2: oh, i didn't pay attention to reaganomics i can look it up for you but
1: okay i know nothing about any of that crap so that's why i talked to you Okay, no. so I get it. I get it. To err is human, but it does raise a larger point, and I'm not. I'm not going to go about attacking the Economist because, first of all, I'm a paid paid subscriber, but second of all, um, it's just I. I don't have enough information to really attack them. Um, but what I do. I, I do find myself interested in, is something that we hinted at the last couple episodes, which was about kind of like loss of faith in institutions and i think journalism has to be one of the biggest uh biggest institutions hit by that loss of faith because they're the most publicly visible maybe does that make
2: sense whoa 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 you said institution and then you said field of expertise or in in this com- context are two separate things i didn't say field of expertise i'm i'm saying it's a field of expertise you said journalism is an institution journalism is not an institution but
1: there are There's institutions media. that fly under the banner of journalism if you want to put it that way I, maybe i'm not explaining it no. properly but companies no, companies that that Ship out information to the masses,
2: they like people have lost trust in them. I, I, I agree with you, but I'm just trying to make something clear. Okay, journalism is not institution. Rogers Media, Rogers Media is a company, it is an institution. Yes, yes, okay, okay, CTV, okay, media, okay. Okay, look, look, look at the words here. Uh, CBC is different. Okay. Then you look at um, another, another uh, ABC, American Broadcasting Corporation. Mm-hmm. Not National, NBC, National Broadcasting Corporation. Okay, so the, the point is it wasn't journalism. Those institutions are about broadcasting something. Broadcasting. I get it. Content. So you're t-
1: you're you're trying to separate companies and institutions from the art form.
2: Well, you said it's it, it's an, um, it's a profession, so I wouldn't call it an art, but it can be considered an art. But I'm just saying it's a profession. Sure. And professional prof- professions have integrities and standards that you must meet. Journalistic standards and ethics do exist. Okay. Um, but you have Where? to understand, <laughs> CVC has them. They'll, they'll, they're actually they're on their page if you look for them. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So journalism and uh, and standards. But uh, you need to understand is media and broadcasting companies are not the same as journalism and reporting. Okay. Because you can have you can have a mechanic that works for Jiffy Lube. Okay. Uh, but he's just, he's, he only does mechanical stuff. He doesn't do all the other things that are in that company. Sure. So you might have a journalism cell with the broadcasting company, but ultimately what gets broadcast and sent out is to the purview of the media in the interest of the media company. Right. right. And they're only going to do things that get clicks and ad revenue. Of course they are. So then,
1: but they are the they are the loudest voice.
2: Well, this is where the government of Canada's trying to change things. If you look at the changes to the tax credits last year, if you get if you if you subscribe to a a uh, Canadian newspaper, I think you can get up to $75 a tax credit. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. So
1: if I subscribe to the Globe and Mail,
0: a a, I could
1: I would qualify for a tax credit. That's what it's, that's what the article said. Hmm, I'd like to see that article. That's interesting. Okay, you keep talking, I we'll look it up. I still think that news media or journalism, let's say journalism as a profession or as a, you can go so far as to call it an art form, I still think it's been under attack for years and years. And I don't think that's good <laughs>
2: that's... well no it's because the the in-depth stuff um, uh, so the in-depth stuff like it doesn't it doesn't doesn't say newsworth anymore like most people don't pay attention to the in-depth to the bottom line to the conclusions to the things we need to know well
1: it certainly doesn't help that we have a 24-hour news cycle that runs 24/7 like I don't think that that's actually valuable at all. Because it just fills the airways with, it, it, it leads to more, first of all, it, there's more risk of misinformation. And then, and then there's more risk of, well, there, there's just information that's not even relevant, that doesn't impact people's lives in any way. It's just like it, it becomes ambulance chasing and you're not actually getting all the facts. Whereas when if they I, w- I would think if you went back to like, a, you know, let's say a couple a couple decades ago where, you know, your news came in at, you know, let's say five o'clock and nine o'clock at night. It gave the news media outlets time throughout the day to get the right stories that were the most important and actually do some in-depth analysis on them and then deliver that to the public.
2: Yeah, but but I I think there's 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 if you go back, there used to be uh, daily newspapers. Mm. There used to be uh, used to be a morning paper. There used to be night paper. There used to, there used to be weekly papers, monthly papers, and those all still exist. It all depends what your what your aim is. Like the Economist is weekly. Um, um, most newspapers. I uh, like the Kingston Whig. It, it's it's a daily newspaper, but it's you know to me it's a lot of it's just rehashed of what Reuters Reuters has put out because um, they don't have the writers anymore. But we 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 need to see is is that what is the aim? So you can have the the small pieces that are like the daily, okay, and you can have a team of people doing daily stuff, but you could also have a different people doing big weekly stuff and doing the investigative journalism, and. Like if you look at the CBC and the Passionate Eye, uh, 60 minutes um, um, I was sort of tongue-in-cheek, this hour had 22 minutes. Uh, hmm. <laughs> or uh, what I, I always liked um, oh, I just, the name just escapes me. Um, um, oh, anyways, but you, you start seeing how there's different pieces to it. McLean's Magazine has videos and they release a certain period of time. Like it all depends what the content is. If it requires an hour to explain the one piece, then it's not going to be a daily thing. It's investigative journalism. They're they're putting their thesis and their reputation in line. If they're just going to give you the five W's, hopefully, if you got that, um, then it's... Which it's you can't always thing. guarantee you have. And oh, we know that. Yeah, let's put that down. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's true. <laughs>
1: But I mean, like, so are you suggesting that in order to get a better, more well-rounded picture, that you diversify your portfolio of different information that you're receiving? So you just get it from different sources. You get it from, you know, you'll get your piecemeal stuff from, like, your dailies. And then if you want a more in-depth look, go look into your weekly journals who actually do – uh, some more investigative work, that kind of thing. Is that that's what you're one, suggesting? Uh, uh,
2: that's one way of looking at it, and really, it, it comes down to okay, well, we're we're never, Trump did this, and we don't know what the impacts are. So someone's going to go eventually go look at it, and I'm trying to ascertain what those um, what those conf, what the, what the side effects are. It's like, hey, you have a you you have you take ibuprofen for your headache uh if you take too much of ibuprofen there are side effects okay next report is if you take too much ibuprofen uh you're going to develop ulcers right but you'll be dead before then before you ever saw that news that newsreel no. anyway no you won't <laughs> that, that, that's all true stuff but which one you look at so ibuprofen would be like a health a health magazine Those Mm -hmm. ulcerating things would probably uh, New New England Medical Journal. Right. So there's two problems I have. First of all,
1: most people will get their news from like one source, which is not necessarily good. And then the second thing is, even if you try to diversify, so many of these different news media companies are in competition with each other. So that, like you said... They end up going more for clicks and getting the story out there first to compete their competition. And then they may not necessarily get the story right the first time. I mean, we saw it all the time. Um, we saw it like a classic example was uh, uh, the, uh, the, the shooting that took place on remembrance day or was it remembrance day or was it a couple of days before remembrance day uh, in at, uh, at, at um, the War Memorial in Ottawa, remember yeah. that corporal who got uh, who got killed, yeah. and then all the American news media were talking about, oh, it's terror, it's attack it's an attack, terrorist attack on Canada, and like it took a while uh, for CBC to start covering. Um, they didn't get out first, but you actually saw them being a little bit more level-headed, a little bit more um, cooler-headed, cool heads will prevail type. Um, when they're actually reporting the story, like it was, they, they weren't accusing anybody of terrorism. It's like, well, here's the facts that we know: a corporal has been shot, uh, shot and killed while he was standing on on duty at the at the cenotaph, uh, and and uh, and you know we know that the 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 gunner or the the rifleman or whatever has been taken into custody, and that's all we know, and we'll let you know as we find out. And then they just started. That was kind of it. So. That was a that was a situation where I thought it was, you know, good and it was responsible use of journalism. But so all too often I see um, companies who are just trying to compete each other uh, to get get there first. And that happens all too often.
2: Yeah, it totally does. And you know what? I agree with you. Um, what we need to really look at is what are they selling so this is where the the constant media comes in um, what you so the the media companies is is, is called sensational journal, journalism it's like the Perez Hilton of you know the world or those other types of shows that are like that they they're selling that type of hype okay like clickbait buzzfeed tabloid type shit Right. Yeah, along with you know uh, the top you know ten uh, wardrobe malfunctions and Microsoft newsfeed is terrible for this. Okay. Yes. Um, but the other People one is for the lists. level. Ha- <laughs> but if only they could <laughs> present it in a list, so I could, wouldn't waste so much time trying to click through this stuff. I usually I will get suckered right in one click and then I can't go any further because it just frustrates me. Um, yeah because it took me one click to get there one click to, one click to find the news second click to look click on the article and they get, they get one more click and that's it <laughs> three click rule
1: you know um, this is kind of a side point you know what i hate the most is when you're trying to learn something when you like i'm trying to figure out how to build this garden bed in my backyard and i look up ideas and projects and that kind of stuff and you get somebody's fucking sob story that's like when i was in kindergarten i had always wanted to build a garden bed and they tell you their whole fucking life story before they actually tell you how they went and did the goddamn thing that you're trying to build like i hate that anyway
2: carry on <laughs> no there's there's one thing worse than that oh, what's people that who, people who review products without actually owning it it
1: looks like oh, a story oh, does stars. that happen i've i've never <laughs> seen that before it totally does. Wow, that's interesting. All right, time to crack this bad boy open.
2: <sighs> but did you ever I watch mean, a show? It, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just gonna review. Like, it, so just bear in mind, like nothing's free, and I've said that to you many, many times. <laughs> and just, and it, you need to understand what they're selling. So. So, so a lot, those ones where you got to click all the time, they're selling your clicks. They're yes. selling the ads around it, and they get revenue-based on the number of clicks.
1: Doesn't that so, take away from the, you know, the responsible reporting that they should be doing? Doesn't that take away from that?
2: Well, it's that whole sensational
1: journalism. So how the do you get rid of... How do, not get rid of... How do you... I guess you can't control it, but how do you, as a consumer, respond to that? You just don't bite,
2: or I just what? Don't. what? do you where, do? Where it says ads, uh, where it says paid content, it's usually it usually says paid content or advertisement. It's labeled before you get it. Oh, so, okay. So, you, like, you just get
1: like an ad blocker to prevent all that crap, or what?
2: No, it it appears on your screen. It's hard to, to block it. Oh, the, the the ad blocker will block things around it my run yeah, yeah block I, things I see it. I see what you're saying
1: but. yeah but I mean you're still not getting necessarily the um, the most accurate and the best form of the story like the best analysis you're not necessarily getting that you're still getting this kind of half chewed you know f- f- maybe five w's type thing that's getting thrown out there just to just to make sure that they are the first to get clicks. You're still getting that. So what do you do about that?
2: I can't. So you either pay for it or you pay for it. You choose how you pay for it. You pay for it or you pay for it? You pay for it with your wallet or you pay for it with, your, with your, them selling your data. Pick one.
1: So then I just don't get information then because I don't want that.
2: Mm, that's your choice but you subscribe to two two magazines so you are getting it
1: no I am getting that because I consider them to be a little bit better at the like I feel like you think that I'm just typecasting all journalists news media as, as under the same umbrella and no they are not all created equally some of them are better than others some of them do a lot like I'm not saying the economist is the same as BuzzFeed no, absolutely not, right? But what I am saying is that yes, you do have to be very selective in in the pers- in the organization that is selling you the information. Mm-hmm. So you do have to scrutinize that, and I'm not. I'm not. That's what I'm. I, no, I agree I, with that. Totally. I just scrutinized the Economist. Yes.
2: Oh, absolutely. But you still, you still what? read them. But there's a forum like if I, if I wrote that down and emailed to the to the economist, they would actually put that in their journal in the start letters Brilliant. to the editor is still there. Yeah. And it's it's in it's in there. It's printed and it's also read on air if it's as long as it's appropriate. Right. And there was one letter there the other day and they said, thank you. Or some of them are like mm-hmm. uh, good coverage on blah, 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 blah. And some of the other ones are are, hey, you have a problem. There's more. Not everything comes in three. All your articles are always only limits to three options, and sometimes there's only two options. You don't shouldn't have to force the third. Sometimes there's five options, and sometimes there are five options, right? So, uh, but they only list only ever list three, and these three three ways to go about it. uh, I I think it detracts from the journalism. They just wrote a big a big opinion piece on it.
1: Hmm. So. Interesting. Are you gonna write a letter to the editor, and you're gonna do it under your name, Whiskey? <laughs> you should. Uh, I Be should. interesting. Man, I,
2: I've I got so little time. I gotta write. Uh... <laughs> That's so funny. Um,
1: did you ever watch a show called The Newsroom? I think I may have showed it to you before. No, I have not. It was actually quite a good show. It's kind of a feel-good show. And it's about the very thing that we're talking about, about like journalistic integrity and all that kind of stuff. And you may have seen uh a kind of a video passed around on social media that's taken from like the first three or four minutes of the very first episode of the pilot episode and it's uh it's jeff daniels he's the main character of the show and he plays uh what is he what's his i can't remember his stage name on the show anyway uh well will mcavoy that's his name will mcavoy and he's like sitting in the um it's like a a crosstalk and You know, he's in the center. There's a a person representing the right and then there's a person representing the left on the uh, on this little kind of crosstalk platform that they're doing. You do it at a university campus and they kind of go on um, just talking about um, so they're basically arguing about socialism, about like. Uh, you know, would you rather pay for your fire trucks and all that kind of stuff? It was just like the classic left versus right argument, and then they got him to pipe in and they talked to him about. He started going on this rant about how America is not the greatest country in the world anymore, and how it sure used to be, how we used to. How we used to, you know, pull our socks up and not belittle each other, and we used to, we used to actually have pride in, pride in our institutions, and we didn't beat our chests and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of an interesting start to the show, and it goes around quite a bit because apparently it gives people hope. But I actually really liked the show itself uh, during its first season run because they got into a lot of those, a lot of those arguments about journalistic integrity about. How we should be reporting facts. How we should be. Uh, how news outlets should actually be um, giving information to the masses. And it was interesting because, like, the main character is supposed to be a Republican, but he acts very kind of liberal in his kind of uh, in his demeanor or in his in his reporting. is is different. Is this the link that you're telling me? This is the last news show I watched. This is the last. WKRP <laughs> That is an old show. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that show. <laughs> I remember the turkey. The turkey drop. Remember this? They had uh, their uh they had their dude their their correspondent sitting outside the the radio station. Oh, I remember that. That was fucking hilarious. Lonnie Anderson. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I don't know where I was going with that point about the newsroom, but it was just like. Well, actually, now I do. Um, if I was to imagine like a perfect world where we were actually getting decent facts, and you know the reporting was actually happening the way it should, um, that that is kind of like my ideal kind of world is that that newsroom show now they even addressed the whole point about like uh, bias within journalism and he said you you can't you can't not have bias like it's unavoidable you're human so the point is to the, the idea is that you have to kind of you have to temper it a bit you have to temper your bias and try and stay on both sides of the facts you ever um Oh, here's another one. Uh, what about Vice? Did you ever watch that show, that movie, Vice? It was the kind of biopic about Dick Cheney. Uh, I think I did. Christian Bale played Dick Cheney. Yeah, I did. he got all fat for the role and everything. Um, I thought it was it was an it was interesting because they I don't know if this is actually true or accurate, but they were talking about how Dick Cheney there was a bunch of laws put in place for. Um, journalism for reporting uh, for news media outlets to report oh. and I guess the idea was that if you're going to report on a story or if you're going to convey an opinion you must have a credible counter opinion uh, presented on your on your news program and he I think that was written into the law I and mean, yeah. apparently he worked to abolish that law or he got it repealed and then that was that's what gave the rise to um, like oppositional uh, news media like Fox versus CNN or MSNBC and and all this Breitbart shit that's come out, like all these like vehemently opposing different news media outlets.
2: Yeah, like there needs to be an official opposition for the news media. Almost, eh? That's just ridiculous. Oh, I, like, I don't know, man.
1: Like, I don't know. I don't think we're in a good spot if... We like whether the whether the institutions are actually reporting facts has now almost become irrelevant because people just don't trust them. They don't trust these institutions or they trust one. They get all their news information from one like Fox or fucking CNN or something like that. They'll get get it from one source and then they'll completely like they'll. Alienate and ostracize anybody who gets their information from any other source so that well, just say, becomes
2: completely tribal. It's even worse than that because now you have search, search engines that pull up the news but they're only pulled the news that you seem to be interested in That's if right. You pick one, if you have a tendency to pick up one side it only presents to you one side of the story
1: Yeah. Uh, YouTube is that. perhaps one of the worst for that for like their algorithms <laughs> like if I was to just start looking up uh, YouTube videos of puppies for a little while all it would show me is youtube videos of puppies for days you know like it's it's not it's not actually it's not giving you any kind of it's not giving you youtube videos of cats right you know what i'm
2: saying oh it's it's even worse than that your phone or your phone is listening to you so yeah if you start talking if you start talking about certain things your phone will start presenting you up um things that you talked about but not searched about. Yeah. An example would be just, just for example, talk about um, around your wife, talk about buying a new washing machine. Oh, it's already happened. Stuff has
1: already shown up and like ads on the side of Facebook or whatever saying, here's this new shopping or washing machine for, you know, 300 bucks or whatever, you know, happens all the time. What do you think about, uh, distrust in in our institutions because it is something that we've kind of hinted at and alluded to on previous episodes. But I want to hear what you what you think about it. Like, what to do you think is, it
2: is? Go ahead. To, to as human. But yeah, so what do you the, mean by so, that? No, no. So, to, people have their own motives when they're we're doing it. Corporations are there to sell things. They don't get anywhere if they don't sell things. Um, uh, when you go to court, you bring your lawyer. Mm. You don't use somebody else's lawyer to be your lawyer. You, you bring your own lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, I hire an accountant to do my taxes. Like, um, It's it is it, the same thing. So distrust of an institution? Well, yeah, they're, they're allowed, the, the, their aim is to get you to come back. That's the only reason they're going to be nice, okay? So, if if but if they go if,
1: and do any wrongdoing, well, that's where I think that's what I'm getting at with distrust in institutions.
2: Well, I guess people got to prepare to rally together to sue them and take action. Right. right. We're, we're well, seeing, they are taking they go, action, but it's just the wrong
1: kind of action. Oh, well, I wouldn't say that, but you know. Well, look at what's happened in Portland, Oregon and Seattle
2: oh you're giving one example what about VW uh, Dieselgate uh, what do you want about, about yeah that uh, was one you know there's there's lots of examples where uh, people were sued CRTC sued uh, sued lots of the, the companies there uh, right. to, to get them to comply to things Professional Engineers Ontario sues people all the time to get them to comply to the legislation um, mm-hmm. tr- unsuccessful ones are like Trump and and his taxes. <laughs> so, you uh, got to you you got to separate the micro from the macro, I guess. So the the macroeconomics or, or the macro point of view is saying all corporations or some corporations, because if they're doing continue to do it wrong, they're going to get their ass sued. So mm-hmm. it's in their best interest to do what. Uh, uh, it's good for the consumer and respectful and lawful. Um, there are ways to win and there's ways to lose and there's a whole bunch of stuff in between. And like, if a company plays dirty, it's only a matter of time before it, it just doesn't work. And like, the I, best I, example, I that. The, the best example I can say is a hotel room. There's a standard for cleaning a hotel room. If you don't comply, well, it, eventually that place looks guzzy. People start to see it as such, and because they see it as a scuzzy hotel, uh, people stop staying there, so they have to lower the price, so the product value drops. The hotel chain is less valuable now because they can't turn as much profit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that works the same way with Ray uh, uh, Ray-Ban uh, sunglasses. In the 80s and 90s, they're like 20 bucks or a few bucks for uh, a thing of Ray-Ban sunglasses, Try and buy uh, Luxottica, bought them, re- re-put some investment into it, and look at them now. You know, uh, 100-fold in the amount of cost, um, 100-fold in, in the price increase. So how we manage things is it, it, it matters. If you treat everybody like shit, um, you get shitty results, buddy. Right. No, no, I get it. I
1: get it. I understand. What? Okay, so then what do you think about a company? Okay, so it's in a company's interest to increase profits, right? So uh, what do you think about, or or maintain, either maximize or maintain their current, pro, their revenue stream, right? No. Or so increase profit, their revenue stream? Like, what? Okay. I, no, no. I'm not a business-oriented mind,
2: obviously. Profit. Um, profit. But, stop. Stop, stop, stop. Profit no. is equal to revenue minus expenses. Okay. Sure. Math. Math hurts. No, no.
1: It's, it's a rhythm. I, it. I get it. I get it. But... What do you say about a company like the NBA who goes and – or, say, Activision Blizzard, who supports uh, – who, who doesn't – they turn a blind eye to what's been going on in China and Hong Kong um, in order to protect their revenue stream.
2: Um
1: Okay. When there are clear, oh, uh, clear human rights violations
2: at stake. Yes. did Did you buy any clothes recently? Did I buy any clothes recently? No. That they were made in Canada. Does your wife I, go to like? Does your wife go to like? Uh, children's Place or Old Navy or the Gap? Don't
1: try and turn this back on no, me. No, don't try no, and no. say I'm part no, of no, the no, problem. No. I'm. You are. I, I I'm I'm the you are. I'm, you're talking to the person who goes and watches uh what the hell's the name of that damn movie? Uh, Supersize Me. I'm the type of person who go and watch Supersize Me and then eat a fucking Big Mac right afterwards. Right? You're not you you're talking to the wrong guy.
2: I'm a walking contradiction. <laughs> like, <laughs> we know that. We know that. We know that. Right. The, the, so the, the point, I asked the you being, the question. No, no. I know, but it's the same answer. The point is that there's not always an alternative, immediately available alternative. Two, the cost of moving it would put them out of business in many respects. Three, uh, if the business cease to exist, is there more harm done? Yes. So there's a balance. Uh, Is it right to exploit workers? No, it is not. But companies need to work with local governments or they're getting their stuff manufactured in order to improve the living standards of their workers so is
1: Uh, NBA getting stuff manufactured from china who isn't yeah but what does the nba do i thought it would all they did was they just they were the organization that governed basketball games
2: Wow. You were They got no. they
1: also have supply chains elsewhere that that gets into merchandise as well? Oh yeah. All right. Well, Merchand- no, I get mer- it. Is, I get it. Makes merchandise sense. is huge. Right. So, it's no different than George Lucas going out and making a Star Wars movie but also capitalizing on the toy market. No, I get it.
2: Uh, oh, and a second The licensing and all those other things that they put it on. Wow. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. And and in order to appeal for the mass market, you need things that are cheap. And if they're cheap, you can maximize revenue. If you maximize revenue, you show profitability. And that's how they get paid millions of dollars a year to play basketball.
1: So then what happens to a place like China that is still able to go and commit, you know, human rights violations? Is that where governments are supposed to come in and like... uh, International, the international community is supposed to start coming in and impose sanctions on a place like China to get them to
2: stop doing that shit? Right, or try to, yeah. Or try to, at least. And we're doing it with Mexico. And we did with NAFTA. Are we doing it with Mexico? What's going on with that? Well, where wh- do you think GM is making its cars now?
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> you <laughs> of all
2: people forgot about that.
1: Well, I mean, it's a brain fart. You know who you're talking to. <laughs> uh, uh, uh.
2: <laughs> did, you, did you want to tilt, tilt that sideways, your head sideways, to let the air bubble out? No, no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh. <sighs> anyway, I think I think that's a good te- a good place to stop if that's okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I think we beat this horse dead. So
2: no, that's good. But
1: uh yeah. Do you want to sum uh, up or do you want me to sum up? You can sum up. Let's we'll see what you understood. Do you, you, you want me to give it a try, see if I understand? <laughs> uh, put your big book down. Uh, uh don't buy from China and don't get your news from us. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow. Yeah, he
1: just, uh, folks. He just gave me the old Captain Picard facepalm. <laughs>
2: wow! It shows yeah. how long your memory. It shows how long your memory is. <laughs> uh, fuck, thirty seconds. Um, anyways, today we talked about uh, journalism and how it's important to not stick to one particular point of view. In the terms of the bread. Um, and how understanding other uses for a particular product helps you develop as a person in your own specialization. Then we moved on to journalism um, and large companies, understanding that the media is only one element, or sorry, journalism is only one element of a media company or a broadcasting company, and their job isn't necessarily only to sell journalistic news. And topics aren't necessarily, uh, qu- there's quick and dirty topics and there's in-depth journalism. There's different facets. For us to cast judgment on journalism would be like uh, rocks trying to figure out why the rocket doesn't work. Um, so, so so when we look at that, we, we need to realize is that we need to understand where things come from. So we talk about China and manufacturing um, and Yes, if you're unhappy with where things are coming from, don't buy it from there. Look at the label. Everything has a label. It's mandated by law. Um, And and, and go from there. Uh, But if you continue to buy it, you're supporting the problem you're hating. Uh, But not everybody has a choice. Some people need to source from China because that's the only place where the market is. That's how they can afford the, the price. And that's how things are. And when companies make money, uh, high margins offer low-cost products. That's you buying them. So if you don't like it, don't buy it. Um, cards, uh, fifty-two card pickup is still a game.
1: <laughs> Here, here's here's my way of summon. Because we were talking about journalism in general, um, knowing who wrote the article and where the article is coming from is just as important as the content that it is uh, delivering. That's my two cents. There you go. I am here to educate and inspire. <laughs> and forgot the rest.
2: <laughs> oh, All <my> right. God. <laughs> That's good.
1: Well, we're there, Take buddy. Us out.
2: Take us out. <laughs> okay. We we didn't, we didn't we didn't go in but I'm Whiskey and I'm Rox See you next week
1: The track you're currently listening to is the second movement of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, which you may have recognized from Don Hartsfeld's old, rejected cartoons like 20 years ago. Remember, my spoon is too big, remember that? I do, because that's why I fill my head with. This movement is also known as a scherzo, which is Italian for an absurdly fast waltz. Waltzes were super popular back in the day, kind of like twerking has been recently. Isn't it amazing how far we've come? Anyway, waltzes are normally played in 3-4 time or some variant of triplets. For more modern scherzos, listen to John Williams' Scherzo for X-Wings from The Force Awakens or Scherzo for Motorcycles from the Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So why did I choose this track and how is it related to the subject? Great question! Honestly, I think the hurried nature of the tune with the stressed sounds of the violins seem like old-timey journalists. Old-timey journalists, tapping away at their typewriters, hurrying to meet a deadline which crescendos into an explosive force followed by moments of peace which could be depicted by a news anchor delivering the news. I'll admit it's a wild swing, but Disney has done some interesting things with flamingos on Fantasia, so that's my crack. Anyway. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of Whiskey and Rocks. Whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to breathe either. You can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. We are at WhiskeyandRocks1. The link is in the description. Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more 320 Club.